Hello, this is Robert Rickover. I'm an Alexander Technique teacher in Lincoln, Nebraska. I teach in Toronto, and these days I teach pretty much exclusively online. My guest today is Imogen Ragone, an Alexander Technique teacher in Wilmington, Delaware, a city with newfound fame. We're talking early 2021, and uh, she also teaches online. And um, Imogen does not know what we're going to be talking about. I like to surprise her. Yes. <laughs> I want to discuss uh, a type of Alexander technique direction, a very specific type called, sometimes called paradoxical directions. Uh, you would use that term also. Right? I know what you're talking about, yes. So they're a subset, you might say, of negative directions, which were a huge improvement over what existed before. But most of them, I would say, have been superseded by freedom directions, which are more efficient and shorter and cleaner. But there's still some that have their own power, their own unique power. And I would say, and let me give you examples of a negative direction might be, um, I'm not tensing my neck or I'm not compressing myself. So negative statements about what I'm not doing, sometimes these are called inhibitory directions. And this is a bit of jargon that if you, if, the word doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about, but Alexander teachers will sort of have some idea. Um, it's like you're being very clear about what you don't Yeah, you're, you're, you're saying no to certain things. Yeah. And they, they were very, they are very powerful directions. I've used them for years, but um, generally it's a lot easier to teach with freedom directions. So the freedom direction correlates of those negative ones would be, my neck is free or I'm free. Um, but there's a certain class of negative directions that are a little different in these paradoxical ones. And uh, I'd like to illustrate one uh, with you being the, now this is not a true test of them because Imogen has been using these, I think, pretty regularly. You know, yeah, I've used them before, yes. <laughs> I mean, you're teaching, I'm sure. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you wouldn't mind uh, standing up and maybe going towards the back of the room, and what I'm going to do is tell Imogen the direction to use, and she's going to use it in walking. So she'll walk probably in a circle would be the easiest. And then from time to time, she'll shift from using the direction, which I'm going to give her, to a nonsense direction. I'm purple or I'm green. A direction that has no impact on her walking so she can get a nice contrast. She has uh, wooden floors, so she may be able to hear a difference. Um, I'm sorry, I'm only in my socks. Yeah, but you know, with a new student, I might suggest they put on some hard sole shoes, but we don't really need that for this. So the thought is, um, since you're going to be walking in a moment, the, the thought is, I'm not walking. But you will take into walking and then occasionally shift back and forth a couple of times to I'm green or I'm purple. Good. 
So I assume you noticed the difference. I did notice the and difference. Unless you sit down, we'll talk about the difference and why I think this is such an important little topic in for Alexander students and teachers. So I assume that when you thought I I'm not walking, your walking got a little easier. Well, I sort of started off with it, so I didn't have a comparison, but when I went to I'm green, <laughs> um, I basically noticed a less freedom and ease in my walking. And when I went back to I'm not walking, which of course is paradoxical because I was walking, <laughs> um, um, things freed up a bit more. Yeah. So, you know. I don't know if you could see it. I wasn't saying. Yeah, I, 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 I think this is something that, that people could experiment on their own. Walking is a good activity, but any activity uh, would be useful. Again, as with all Alexander directions, uh, the, the major component of them that determines their effectiveness is how they are used, not so much just what they are. So when you think I'm walking, uh, I'm not walking. The idea here is you don't do anything about that thought. Yeah, I'm not trying to implement anything. It's just this thought, you're very getting, likely you're that I'm- across the room using your feet and legs to propel you. <laughs> and you're just not labeling it walking. You're labeling it I'm something else other than walking. Although I, I think of it as it's kind of like because I'm saying I'm not walking to myself effectively while I'm walking around, it gives my I don't know, I might not be using the right term subconscious yeah. brain power right. a chance to just find its own way that's not my habitual way that right. might so, yeah. and that would typically be a more efficient way than my. Right. Habitual way. Um, right. Seems just, to work that way. And just yeah. before I get into why I think this is such an important direction, um, apart from the fact that it's, most students can pick up on this pretty quickly. My grandkid, who was uh, six years old, who's expressed an interest in having lessons, and I tried various stratagems and the one he latched onto immediately was the, I'm not doing whatever I'm doing one. So playing it back then it was- Actually a six year old might <laughs> take to I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And we, his mother even heard him over, overheard him telling his younger brother, well that, the secret is you just say you're not doing what you're doing. That's the trick and his brother didn't quite get it. So, but it is something that most students can can uh, pick up on pretty quickly. Um, so, but, but before I explain why I think this is so, such an important thing, is that if, if you think about, uh, if, let's say you were in an urban situation and you see you're out on the sidewalk and you see a lot of people around you walking. When I go up to Toronto, all I have to do is walk out the front door of the building I'm staying and there are dozens of people walking back and forth in and out. Each one of them, if you were to ask them what they were doing, they would say, hey, I'm walking to work or I'm walking to the coffee shop or whatever. They're all in their own minds walking. But if you look carefully, you'll see they're all walking a little differently. There's a 
commonality is, you know, legs are moving them forward, but there are huge differences in what they're doing. So the word walk is very, um, you might say subjective, right? My idea of taking a walk might end up looking significantly different than your idea of taking a walk. Now, some of it's just different body sizes and shapes, but a lot of it is just habits of walking. And here's my take on it, pretty much what you just said. Um, when you say to yourself, I'm not walking, I think that's shorthand for a longer statement that's kind of too long to be a nice direction. Uh, I'm not walking, comma, body, mind, figure out a different way, just different, not the same. I'm not, I'm not walking the way I, I, what I want is not to walk the way I usually do, some other way. And your body mind springs into action. You might say all the stuff behind your prefrontal cortex, your nervous system, muscles, ligaments, all that stuff uh, rearranges itself pretty much instantly when you say that. It, it's, it's happy to hear it actually. And you might, but you might think, well, if you ask it to come up with something different, logically, half the time, it should be coming up with something worse. Not been my experience, though. <laughs> no, not only has it been your experience, but I don't think it's ever been anybody's experience. And that is an amazing fact. That if you deliver that message, I'm not walking the way I usually do, figure something else out. It never comes, it never says, oh, okay, you know, give you a little limp. If, you know. <laughs> it, it doesn't do that. It always takes you in an e a direction of greater ease. And that is an incredibly powerful fact to contemplate because what it suggests is that all that unconscious part of you is strongly biased towards greater ease, less extra tension, less pounding your feet down on the ground in case of walking. It's, it, it, it's orientation is to go in that direction. But the curious fact about human beings is that it doesn't just necessarily do it on its own. It needs some mental intervention on your part. You have to give it an instruction. It's I think not this automatically is... self-correcting for harmful habits that have been built up. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, and you maybe you're guessing to this, but in the interview we just did about breathing, mm -hmm. we were talking about getting out of our own way. And basically these directions help us get out of the way. Right all the inefficiencies about how we're walking. Um, exactly. And not by micromanaging how we walk, but by 
um, leaving it to this subconscious part of us to do but, its thing. Yeah, and you, it, you know. But we have to consciously give you, that. <laughs> you got to set it in motion. It doesn't do it on its own typically. And that is, uh, but once you do, if you deliver a useful message in general with Alexander Directions, if you deliver a message that is designed, is, is well thought out to be a, a good thing. So a direction like I'm free or um, uh, my neck is free, those kinds of directions, they're, they're pretty good directions. Your body just says, oh, okay, okay we, I, know how to, I know how to do that. I'm not, it doesn't mean I'm gonna get perfect just by saying that. But whatever level of improvement is possible right now, this second, your body's going to come up with that. But it's not going to come up with that unless you ask for it. At least not. Right. So I, I'm just thinking, and I think this might be useful for people to know, is that um, when you practice these types of directions, this type of thinking over time, and you get more and more experiences, for example, of walking in this freer, more efficient way, um, that will impact how you walk when you're not consciously delivering the directions. Right. And it, absolutely. And when you do deliver the directions, you can still get a little bit more freedom and ease and efficiency as I did just then I've got loads of experience and still there's something in our habits that we just do a bit more than we need to do and um in our sure. excess tension in various forms <laughs> so. absolutely it, it, it changes the non-directed pattern improves mm -hmm. it and yeah. In theory, at least, at some point, you may be, say, walking as efficiently as your physical mechanism structure right this second allows. And if you say, I'm not walking, then nothing will happen. It will just continue on. Uh, that's rare <laughs> in the real world. Uh, mm -hmm. Alexander, I think, kind of indirectly addressed that whole question. What happens when you're perfect? Will you still be directing? We don't want to go into that now, but um, he said maybe you would, and he had some reasons. But it's uh, pretty but it's, unlikely it's scenario really anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a little off topic. But um, but to me, the key, the key element, two key elements is one, you got to take some mental action. You got to, you got to be interested. You gotta actually take the trouble to think a useful thought very lightly. And, and I don't wanna go into all the details of how you use directions, but I will put a link to some material on that. So that's one thing. And the second is you're dealing with a system yourself that is, that is biased towards greater ease, greater comfort, less strain. And it's just waiting to hear from you it's it's there it's waiting to hear from you you could use an analogy a simple analogy i'll sometimes use with students is a light switch in a room i got light switches you can't see them over here so right now yeah <laughs> light switches so right now they're on but let's say they were off just for a moment 
they were turned off and you wanted to have some, you wanted to get more light, the analogy to more ease, you'd have to turn the switch on and that could be done with your fingers or you could wire up some electrodes and you just think on, off and on would bring the light about and off would stop it. The idea here is that even when the switch is turned off, the whole system is waiting for you to turn it on. It's not gonna just go crashing in on its own. Um, it, it needs you to make a decision. There's a gigantic system underlying what happens when you turn the switch on. It's not just the wiring in your house and the light bulbs and the filaments and all that. It's the grid system, the generators, the, 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 the power transmission, all the regulation of that, keeping the right settings so that you know get voltage doesn't get too high low cycles are just right it's a huge gigantic system and it's capable of springing into action for you but you have to ask for it bye that's it. The yep. mm -hmm. That's any you have any other thoughts on this to me it just seems like an incredible thing that we're just waiting to be better. And the only thing that's stopping us is we haven't figured out how to communicate with ourselves in a very simple way and just say, oh, I'd like it to be better. But it has to, it has to be delivered in a certain way that makes sense to your body. So it has to be very soft. You have to not want to make it happen. You have to not attempt to make anything happen. I, I'm, I, I'm thinking... Um, about this idea of just waiting to be asked yeah. and what I'm thinking is that the vast majority if not all people as they grow up and get older have been actually sending a lot of messages to their body but they've been the opposite oh quite, what. Quite so yeah. so we're very practiced at and that's why we've got the tensions in our walk, for instance, because over time, unconsciously, there've been a lot of other messages oh, that we've unintentionally cool. taken into how we walk, um, which could be, I've got to get there quickly, or all sorts of things. Um, okay. um, where was I going I'm, with that? I'm um, but because gravity's pulling me down. Yeah, uh, and we can have all sorts of faults. Um, well, so incorrect and an understanding of gravity, it's almost impossible to overemphasize how yeah, incorrect yeah. that is. But yeah, we are real good at negative thoughts, many of us. Yeah, I mean, if you think every thought we have has a physical expression in some way, we don't, we kind of tend to think of them as separate and they're not, our thoughts are not separate from us. And most of the time it's um, we're not aware of what we're really thinking or or it's completely below consciousness um and most of the time what we're thinking is not helping us um get out of our own way to come back to that idea and so consciously delivering just these little yeah. thoughts that just um no oh, giving the giving us body's permission to let go and do its own thing and find the better way and yeah and you know just from a 
teaching perspective, say you have a student who's caught up in a lot of negative thinking. So if you say, well, here's a direction, I'm free, uh, that might, you know, doesn't seem realistic, less maybe not too interested in trying it. But if you say, oh, here's one that seems so, it's just weird, but it doesn't go against your negativity directly. <laughs> uh, I'm not doing whatever I'm doing, walking, speaking, breathing, whatever. Uh, that's something that very few people uh, are not able to do, to make, to put out that thought. You have to sometimes help students through, especially with breathing. I mean, breathing is a very tricky one uh, because some people have, some students might have some really terrible experiences connected with holding their breath. And so they might think, oh, this means holding your breath and then they'll go into a panic mode or something. So you got, breathing is a trickier one to use. So walking's nice and neutral for most people, climbing stairs chopping a vegetable and you just say, well, I'm not doing it, but I'm, I'm still going through the motions. And yeah, I think it can be, I found it helpful to actually get people walking even first. Yeah. And then as they are continuing to walk, I'm not walking mm -hmm. rather than I'm not walking to start off. Seems like the opposite of what you're telling. Right. It could, you um, could go either way. I mean, um, but, anyway, I found that sometimes to be but helpful. What's nice about walking is you have a built, you have some built in feedback mechanisms that'll tell you whether that direction is actually useful. For one thing, you might just hear louder sounds from your feet arriving at the floor when you return to your old habit. That's a pretty good indication that you, you make your footfalls are heavier than then it's possible for them to be. And right. if your footfalls are heavier and you're, it's a result of some thinking up here and there's no cable going from here down to your feet, it's gotta have affected everything in you. I mean, there's no way around that. So, so I just think that paradoxical directions are, are like very hopeful. I mean, it's very, uh, it's a nice thing to know that the universe is a friendly place but it does require you to, to take some little activity, uh, um, interest in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Very interesting as always, Robert. Well, Thank you. Uh, my guest today has been Imogen Ragone, an Alexander Technique teacher in Wilmington, Delaware. Thank you.